West pledges billions more for post-war reconstruction. Mark Landler Cassandra Vinograd Tarek Panja Matthew Mpok Big Alexander Chubko Even as fighting rages in Ukraine's east and south, Britain, the United States and other allies are meeting in London to discuss how to help the country rebuild from Russia's invasion. Here's what we're covering. Zelensky urges donor nations to move from vision to agreements. More than 100 people are still missing after the Kakovka Dam disaster, Ukraine says. None of the money from the sale of the Chelsea soccer team has gone to Ukraine war victims. Russia is still trying to advance despite Kyiv's counteroffensive, Ukrainian officials say. With waterways polluted from the damaged dam, fishing in southern Ukraine comes to a halt. Zelensky urges donor nations to move from vision to agreements. London, Western countries pledged tens of billions of dollars in new financial aid on Wednesday to rebuild war-torn Ukraine at a two-day conference of donors convened by the British government in the shadow of Kyiv's counteroffensive against Russia. The pledges, rolled out by Britain, the United States and the European Union, sought to shift public attention, for the moment, from the battlefield to the years-long reconstruction of Ukraine that will follow the war. Economists estimate that the rebuilding project could cost anywhere from $400 billion to $1 trillion. As we've seen in Bakhmut and Mariupol, what Russia cannot take it will seek to destroy, Prime Minister Rishi Sunak of Britain said in opening the conference. They want to do the same to Ukraine's economy. Speaking to the participants by video link, President Volodymyr Zelensky of Ukraine argued that there was economic opportunity in the ruins of his country. He thanked the donors, but pleaded with them to start investing now. We must move from vision to agreements, and from agreements to real projects, he said. Britain announced a package that includes £240 million, $305 million of additional direct economic assistance and $3 billion in World Bank loan guarantees. The loans are intended to encourage an influx of new private investment to rebuild Ukrainian cities and towns destroyed by Russian troops. The European Union laid out an ambitious package that would include €50 billion, about $55 billion, in assistance from 2024 to 2027. About €17 billion would come in grants, and the rest in the form of low-interest loans. The package must be approved by all 27 members of the bloc, however, and it may face hurdles. This plan could become an anchor for all international donors, said Ursula von der Leyen, the president of the European Commission. This is what I mean when I say we are with Ukraine for as long as it takes. The United States announced $1.3 billion in additional economic aid, roughly split between funds to overhaul Ukraine's heavily damaged energy infrastructure and to modernize ports, railways and border crossings. As Russia continues to destroy, we are here to help Ukraine rebuild, said Secretary of State Antony J. Blinken, noting that the package had bipartisan support in Congress. Recovery is about laying the foundation for Ukraine to thrive. The United States has delivered more than $20 billion in economic development assistance to Ukraine, Mr. Blinken said, as well as $2.1 billion in humanitarian aid. It is also the largest provider of military aid to the Ukrainian army. 
Britain, which is likewise one of Ukraine's largest providers of military aid, is leveraging London's status as a global center of finance and insurance to stimulate foreign investment, in part by trying to reduce the risks to investors. The $3 billion in loan guarantees extends over three years, Mr. Sunak said, and is backed by more than 400 companies from 38 countries, including Virgin, Sanofi, Philips and Hyundai Engineering. Rebuilding Ukraine's shattered infrastructure will cost at least $400 billion, according to economists and Ukrainian officials. That sum is so enormous that it has prompted calls to use the estimated $300 billion in Russian assets frozen in the European Union, the United States, Switzerland and Britain to defray the cost. British and European Union leaders said they were exploring ways to use Russian assets to underwrite reconstruction. Britain announced legislation this week that would leave sanctions on Russian oligarchs in place longer, which opens the door to redeploying the funds in Ukraine. It's clear Russia must pay for the destruction it inflicted, Mr. Sunak said. Although fighting is still raging across southern and eastern Ukraine, analysts said it was important to start planning the post-war rebuilding process to avoid the kind of delays that dogged the reconstruction of Europe after World War II. Without any kind of planning, these delays can mount, and they can lead to human misery and to failure of economies and to basically foreign policy failures, Howard Schatz, a senior economist at Rand Corporation, told reporters last week. So it is important to start planning now. The State of the War Counteroffensive Kyiv's newly launched campaign has made some small gains, but Ukrainian soldiers are increasingly exposed to Russian firepower, American and Ukrainian officials said the fight to dislodge dug-in Russian forces was going to be brutal. Arming efforts Western allies have sent Ukraine tens of billions of dollars worth of weapons, but some of the donated arms have been unusable and hundreds of millions of dollars in contracts paid up front have yet to be fulfilled. In Lviv. As the fighting grows more intense during the counteroffensive, the unmarked graves of those killed in past wars are being exhumed to make way for a seemingly endless stream of new dead. Russia shifts tactics. Moscow's forces in Ukraine remain uneven, but while bracing for the counteroffensive, they learn from their costly mistakes. https colon slash slash www.newyorktimes.com slash 2023 slash 06 slash 17 slash world slash Europe slash Russia Ukraine war tactics. HTML, action equals click and type equals legacy collection and state equals default 10 module equals STYLN Russia Ukrainian variant equals show and region equals main underscore content underscore one and block equals storyline underscore top underscore links underscore circ showing improved discipline, coordination and air support. More than 100 people are still missing after the Kakovka Dam disaster, Ukraine says. KYIV, Ukraine, more than 100 people are still missing after the destruction of a dam two weeks ago unleashed floodwaters in the Kherson region of southern Ukraine, according to Ukrainian officials. The Kakovka Dam on the Dnipro River was destroyed on June 6, inundating the region with torrents of muddy water and causing a new humanitarian emergency in an area already caught up in active fighting in the war with Russia. With hundreds of homes still submerged, Ukraine's Ministry of Internal Affairs said, in a statement, on Tuesday evening that 109 people were considered missing and that the national police had taken over their cases. Russian forces' relentless bombardment of the Kherson region has complicated rescue and recovery efforts. 
There were 72 attacks in the past 24 hours alone, the Ukrainian Regional Military Administration said in a statement on Wednesday. Those strikes killed two people and wounded eight others, it said. At least 21 people have been confirmed dead, including five killed by shelling, amid the dam disaster, according to the Ministry of Internal Affairs. That toll does not include deaths in Russian-occupied parts of Kherson, which Ukrainian officials say could be significantly higher, but about which information has been difficult to verify. Images published by the Reuters news agency in recent days showed rescuers in the Russian-occupied town of Ola Prystan recovering drowned bodies. Oleksandr Prokudin, the Ukrainian head of the Kherson Regional Military Administration, said that 11 deaths had been confirmed in the occupied town of Oleshki but suggested that the toll was being greatly underestimated by Russian occupation officials. We understand that there is a huge number of victims, he said on Ukrainian national television late Tuesday. The town is on the brink of a humanitarian crisis. Even as the floodwaters have receded, the consequences of the disaster have spread. Pollutants and pathogens moving downstream on the Dnipro River and into the Black Sea have prompted the Ukrainian health authorities to warn of the risk of waterborne disease and fishing has been suspended in the affected areas. Cassandra Vinograd Advertisement None of the money from the sale of the Chelsea soccer team has gone to Ukraine war victims. It was the biggest price paid for a soccer team and for a while the biggest price paid for a sports team anywhere in the world. And the enormous proceeds were to create what would be one of the biggest humanitarian charities ever established. But 13 months after the forced sale of Chelsea FC after the British government imposed sanctions on its Russian oligarch owner, Roman Abramovich, the charity has yet to be established and not a cent of the £2.5 billion, or $3.1 billion, has gone toward its intended purpose, providing aid to victims of the war in Ukraine. The person picked to lead the charity, which is so far behind schedule that it has yet to be given a name, has described his efforts as being stuck in a bureaucratic quagmire. Months of talks with British government officials have so far failed to yield anything approximating a breakthrough even as the war rages on and the need for support has only grown, said Mike Penrose, former executive director of the UK Committee for the United Nations Children's Fund, who was tapped to lead the charity. The government's permission is required before any transfer of the money from a frozen bank account to the charity to ensure that none of the money is funneled to Russia or to Mr Abramovich. At the heart of the stalemate is the government's insistence that any money can be spent only within Ukraine's borders, an edict that stems from an agreement with the European Union over how funds can be distributed. Mr. Abramovich secured Portuguese citizenship in murky circumstances a few years before Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Russia is still trying to advance despite Kiev's counteroffensive, Ukrainian officials say. Russian forces are trying to seize more territory in eastern Ukraine even as they attempt to fend off a counteroffensive launched this month by Kyiv, Ukrainian officials and military experts said on Tuesday, warning of a long fight ahead. Moscow has launched offensive actions in both the Donetsk and Luhansk regions, Ukraine's general staff said in a daily update on Tuesday, as part of Russia's broader campaign to take more land in a part of Ukraine where it has held substantial territory since 2014. The report said that Russian forces had attacked villages close to the town of Lyman, in the Donetsk region, and other areas, but that all of the attacks had been repelled. 
Russia has taken a small amount of land this week near the towns of Svatov and Kremina in the neighboring Luhansk region, the Institute for the Study of War, a research organization based in Washington, said in a report late on Monday. It cited video it said that it had verified. Armed with weapons from the country's NATO allies and months of preparations, Ukraine is in the early stages of its long-planned counteroffensive, a push that officials warn is likely to be a protracted fight. Its forces have reclaimed a handful of villages along a belt north of the Sea of Azov in the south and east, including most recently the village of Piedikatki in the Zaporizhia region, in what they have described as gradual progress. But President Volodymyr Zelensky said in an overnight speech that the military picture was fraught. In some areas our warriors are moving forward, in some areas they are defending their positions and resisting the occupiers' assaults and intensified attacks, he said, adding that he was confident that his own forces would prevail. Moscow is trying to advance near four municipalities in the Donetsk region, according to Ukraine's Deputy Defense Minister, Hanna Maliar, Lyman, Bakhmut, Marinka and Avdiivka. Lyman fell to Russian forces last spring but was retaken by Ukraine in October. Russian forces took control of the city of Bakhmut last month after the war's bloodiest battle, but since then Ukrainian forces have made some limited advances around the city's outskirts. And Moscow has been fighting to seize both Marinka and Avdiivka for more than a year. All four places have been deeply scarred by artillery and other fire, and few civilians remain there. Despite the fact that the offensive of our armed forces continues in several directions in the south, the Russians also have their own directions of attack, and they are also going on the offensive, Ms. Maliar said on national television. As both Russia and Ukraine defend and attack, soldiers on both sides have dug trenches to survive intense artillery barges. Military experts say that it is much easier to defend ground than to advance given the nature of the fighting. Ukraine's defense minister, Alexei Reznikov, said on Tuesday that the country's counteroffensive would be much slower than its rapid gains last September, when Ukrainian forces took back a large section of the northeastern region of Kharkiv in a matter of weeks. Several factors, including the nature of the terrain and weather conditions, are inhibiting progress, he said. Russia, which was prepared to defend the territory, also planted extensive minefields. And he said that Ukraine was moving slowly in order to preserve the lives of its soldiers. Matthew Poke Big Advertisement With waterways polluted from the damaged dam, fishing in southern Ukraine comes to a halt. Dead fish line the dried banks of a drained reservoir. The health authorities are warning of a disease risk. And hundreds of homes remain flooded. Two weeks on from the destruction of the Kakovka Dam, which has flooded and devastated communities across southern Ukraine, the knock-on effects are being felt for both the people and the fish who use the waterways. Pollutants and pathogens moving downstream after the dam's destruction have led to significant pollution in the Dnipro River and the Black Sea, the Ukrainian health authorities say, with the greatest danger of disease in the Odessa region. Photographs posted from one village in the southern Zaporizhia region showed thousands of pounds of dead carp washed up on the banks of the drained waterway. Around a third of all water samples taken from surface water and recreation areas do not meet hygiene standards, the Ministry of Health said in a statement this week. 
It warned against fishing and eating fish from these areas, because the seafood may contain pathogens, parasites or hazardous chemicals, and cooking the fish will not make the food safe to eat. The local authorities have banned industrial and recreational fishing in all water bodies of the Dnipro, Kherson and Mykolaiv regions in an attempt to prevent outbreaks of infectious diseases and food poisoning. A number of places in the country have also prohibited the sale of fish and seafood from the Dnipro, Zaporizhia, Mykolaiv, Odessa and Kherson regions. There is also a ban on swimming in the Odessa, Kherson and Mykolaiv regions. The fishing ban is amounting to huge losses for small local fishers. And draining of the water from reservoirs farther upstream has caused immense damage to fishing stocks. The ramifications are even apparent in Kiev, the Ukrainian capital, hundreds of miles away. Vyacheslav Zablin of the city's capital wholesale market, a large market for natural foods, said it had banned the sales of seafood from the Black Sea, including snails, plaice and mussels, out of caution. Everyone is afraid of cholera, he said, so state inspectors are making strict checks of all food safety laboratories right now. But we were not notified of any cases, otherwise some districts would be quarantined. The health ministry said it also had established 97 rapid response teams to address any potential biological, chemical and radiation threats in the affected regions and it has been tamping down fears of a cholera outbreak. In addition, Mr. Zablin said he expected that fruit and vegetable production would fall as a result of the disaster, further hurting a market that had already lost access to produce from Kherson last year because of the Russian occupation. Food production in southern Ukraine, which depends on an irrigation system using water from the affected area, will also take a hit. Officials in the Kherson and Mykolaiv region say that even though the floodwaters have receded, hundreds of homes are still flooded and some areas of Dnipropetrovsk are without running water.